Welcome, everybody, to episode 11 of Stackability AI. I am your host, Austin Cornelio, joined by Mike Taylor, co-host of the show. How's it going today, yep. Mike? Happy Thursday. <laughs> yeah, happy Thursday. It's a, I keep saying the same thing, it seems like, on the intros. It's another crazy week in AI. I don't think there's that much technology-wise that's come out this week, but there are some more cultural and social things that we're going to be talking about today that I think are really, really fascinating. So I think it's going to be a good show. Yeah, indeed. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Today, we're going to talk about imposter syndrome. Most of the audience has probably heard the term at one point or, or time in their careers or lives. But we're going to specifically be talking about it in the context of generative AI today. So, so what is imposter syndrome? So basically, the, the definition is a condition of feeling anxious and not experiencing issues internally despite being high-performing in external objective ways. So we're seeing um, a lot of this come up, I think, in, in today's day and age with generative AI and, and the boom. And just, I, I personally think that this is a product of intense race dynamics. So we came across a pretty interesting article that interviewed thousand business professionals. And there were some pretty interesting stats that came out of it. I'm going to read a few of them before we get into the actual meat and potatoes of the, of the episode today. But it states that 26% of professionals surveyed say they have sometimes exaggerated their knowledge of AI or generative AI at work to keep up with superiors or colleagues. On the other side, 72% said they were familiar or very familiar with the term artificial intelligence, but this number dropped to 51% when they asked about the familiar with generative AI. So this one really stood out to me. I thought this was fascinating because... You know, clearly people are trying to differentiate between AI and generative AI and the whole, th this, this really kind of stood out, Mike. What do you think about this? Well, it's, it's really interesting because the distinction is really the, what's really happening right now, right? The difference between AI as we've kind of imagined it through sci-fi and the stuff that we've done with maybe Alexa, if you thought of that as AI or these other um, tools that have been around for a while that for some reason was never really labeled AI that was not part of the, the group. So you would hear the word artificial intelligence, but you really wouldn't know what it is. But now with like chat GPT, Bard and all the others that are coming out, these are generative AI, which is what people are unfamiliar with. So I think that you know, part of the reason why we're doing this podcast is to try and familiarize people with that part of what's happening in the world. And I think that most people are unaware or uninterested or scared. And the conversation with this whole thing started for me, started becoming obvious to me was when I was talking to some friends in different types of businesses and they would, I'd ask, oh, are you using AI for any of this stuff? And they would kind of either say no, or I don't want to use AI. I want to be authentic or feel like they were cheating if they were using AI. So it got me thinking like, wow, I wonder what that feeling is. So you start like exploring how that feels. And even another person I met you know, last week and was talking to him about it, when he when he mentioned that, I said, oh, are you using AI for that stuff? Or are you using the, any of the, the chat bots or anything? And he 
kind of looked down at his feet and smiled and was like, yeah, 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 I'm, 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 I'm doing it. You know, there's that feeling that you're, you're cheating. And it's funny because it seems that creative people feel like they're cheating when they use a tool. But nobody ever thinks like the musician is using a, a reverb or a whammy bar or something, some other tool on their instrument that it's cheating. But it's interesting when, when you get into the creative space, when you're using artificial intelligence, people feel like they're cheating or something. So what, what do you think of that? That's a fantastic point. I would say this. I 100% agree. I think it's very important to be like, hey, I'm cheating or hey, I am actually using this to solve a problem, to be more productive, to to do whatever with my business or to do whatever with myself. Because I do, I do, so I'm a musician, I'm an artist. I I value pure human creativity. And I am kind of from the the, the camp where if you tell a, an AI to go make this piece of artwork or some music like I do think that that's cheating in a lot of ways like sure you can you can put your spin on it like you can always make it original depending upon how you like rope it into your workflow or or whatever but at the end of the day like the machine is doing a very heavy amount of the creative work so I think that that is in my opinion kind of like a, a separate thing and I think that we need to identify between like that and really what is imposter syndrome but i can see how they they blend together yeah yeah it's that that's kind of like my two cents on that yeah no i think i think it's an interesting thing that you know this is all new stuff and you know this is gonna apply itself in all these different ways you know when the wall of sound was created and when all of these you know synthesizers and things happened in the in the 80s and all of a sudden you had uh drum machines and things like that people felt the same anxiety i think about wanting to be authentic and what does authentic mean you know what is creativity mean and i've been reading this uh, book by rick rubin and i'm actually going through it again for a second time because he talks about like what the creative process is and what the creative spark is and that sometimes we overthink it you know and if we're making things for an audience or making things for somebody other than ourselves, then, then it isn't inauthentic and it is something that will not probably do very well. But when we create things with whatever tools we're using and when we create things that are um, authentically inspired and for our own pleasure, for our own enjoyment, then that will generally resonate with the larger audience. So I think, you know, we're going to go through a transition where creative people are going to feel like you are cheating because you're using a, an advanced tool to help. But, you know, as we've talked about, I think a person plus AI is better than a person without AI or AI on its own. So it's a, it's a tool. And uh, if you're not, you know, taking advantage of how it can help, then you're you're probably missing out. And somebody who has your level of creativity plus a tool is going to be better off than somebody with just your level of creativity. So it'll be it'll be interesting because I mean, right now, like I said, we're going through a transition. Um, technology is always challenging us to stay current in a way that we probably haven't had to in our entire evolution <laughs> you know over, over the last 30 years man wow 20 years you know yeah. it's been it's been a ride it's it's very true i'd like to highlight the staying current point because i think that's where a lot of this comes from 
so I think, so the next thing I want to talk about were like, like the problems, like what causes this sort of psychological trigger, right? And I think part of it is the anxiety of just a living in today's world with so much going on and so many inputs. And now you add this on top of it, say that you are somebody that works in an adjacent field or in the field, and maybe you weren't directly part of AI, but now everybody is shoving this stuff down your throat and like, it's clearly time to adapt. How do you do that? So I think that that's where part of this feeling comes from because you can grasp a lot of these skills like relatively easy and you can you can get to a point where you can have the conversation. You can have a pretty good conversation and wherever you go with it after that is kind of like your own thing, right? But then there's obviously going to be different levels of experience. You might be talking to somebody that has, you know, a legitimate decade of experience in LLMs or, or something. And But that that's a good thing because you can learn from that person. So I guess the point I'm trying to make is I, I kind of feel that this quote unquote imposter syndrome feeling is really just a product of learning something new, right? It's kind of inevitable in a lot of ways because you kind of have to feel this way. I've been feeling this way my entire career because you know, I went to school for design and I quickly pivoted into software engineering. And a lot of the stuff that I learned, I learned on my own. So I'm self-taught in a lot of ways. So I've always been kind of feeling, you know, at certain points, not always, hey, like if I had more formal training in on this, what what would it what would what would the outcome be? Would I be at a different spot? Would I be at a better spot? And I, I've had plenty of people that I work with on various teams who have, you know, really um, notable computer science degrees and everything. And I, I consider us equal in a lot of ways. So you kind of just have to get out of your head and, you know, say, screw it. I, I think that one of the most amazing things about the time that we live in right now is it's so easy to go and acquire knowledge. But I think the, the important part is, is like finding the, the correct learning material that works for you and sticking with it and figuring out a way to progress um, as far as you can and have fun while doing it. Because you have to be inspired, right? Yeah. It's like, it, it, if, it, if it becomes like a job and it feels like un, unpleasant, then it's going to be a whole other problem that you're going to be facing, right? Yeah. And I, I, I like what you said. And, and, you know, this is probably at the core of where the imposter syndrome, regardless of in, in any subject, comes about and it's you know whether or not you're a scientist or whether or not you're a somebody who has a degree versus not a degree and that's something that we've created over the last half century of 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 our existence where oh well you have a bachelor's degree or you have a master's degree or oh well you only have a certificate in that you know or you only have you know something like this idea that there's some sort of class or caste system based on your degrees. You know, you hear it a lot in in the science fields, um, especially, you know, when you start looking into, you know, like Graham Norton and these people who are doing this research on ancient history and they're finding these things that the archaeologists scoff at, but they can't explain, but they don't like his explanation, you know, so then is he an imposter because he's discovering these things? That's probably, I'm sure at some point, he probably have felt that way. Like, oh, well, these guys have degrees and I don't. So therefore, I'm not uh, not qualified to speak on a subject. And I think that's where 
we've gotten into this place in society where there's this dogma about things that isn't necessarily true, but we've kind of convinced ourselves that you only the only qualified voice is a voice that has X, Y, and Z. And this is something that's happening really quickly with AI because it popped onto the scene like uh, all of a sudden for everybody, all of a sudden you had a chat bot that you could ask questions to and, and, and do things and find out things and get summaries of articles and have things written for you uh, in somebody else's voice and all of these things that are happening. And I know, you know, you and I spend a lot of time in this space and, you know, researching these things to do the podcast or just because we're interested in it. And it's, it's still overwhelming when we're trying to do it. So I can't imagine if you're kind of sitting on the sidelines and just kind of, you know, fake it till you make it kind of a mentality or, you know, you were the kid who was reading the Cliff's notes in the school and hoping you didn't get called on. That's going to be, it's going to be intimidating. One of the good things I saw in that article, uh, Austin, that we were, we were referencing and we could definitely put this, uh, link in the um, description, but 85% of professionals at least some level have at least some level of interest in improving their AI and generative AI knowledge. So for something that, like I said, just popped, um, that in- I was encouraged by that number that there is a high level of interest in learning about this because you know <laughs> I haven't seen it in any of the people I know and none of my family members. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I think that's a fantastic thing to bring up. My take on this is as follows. I think that the people that you see responding to this in the way that you just mentioned are basically people that want to capitalize off of the opportunity. So these are people that are probably on LinkedIn all the time, social media, you know, definitely business type folks here, either someone that is, you know, has been hooked into Probably someone posting some crap on LinkedIn about uh, top 10 GPT prompts for XYZ, right? And then you look at the post and there's like a thousand comments. But then if you look at that and you really engineer what's happening here, the person is being like, hey, I'll give you this thing that I basically use ChatGPT to generate and maybe ran it through Canva to make it look halfway decent. And if you if you like me, then I'll give you the content, right? Which I think is, which I think is ridiculous. That's, that's right? the like, Instagram business model, you know? It's like, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, but if you're not like really diving into that, you could be like, wow, like this person clearly, they're they're probably have very little experience. They're probably only been in the game for a few years. Some are definitely like pros. You know, I see like legit marketing firms, people with reputable businesses posting this stuff. But the point I'm trying to make is it, it's, you look at that and even if you spend a little bit of time thinking critically about it, you could be like, well, you know, that's like, that's success right there. Like there's 600 comments and I'm a, I'm a rational human being and I'm looking at the posts and I can tell that it's really not that good. Like the aesthetics are low. Like there's no good formatting on the graphics that they're using. I mean, it just completely looks like it was done in like two, two seconds and just like spewed out by some automated system but yet it's getting like all of this traction, you know, that could make you feel pretty anxious because maybe you're of the mindset like, hey, I really want to build something with quality and it takes a lot of time to think about it and figure out my my um, my unique selling point and, and all of that. But now I'm like, well, I need to keep up and I need to go, 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 go. And, you know, 
it's a journey, right? Like it's got to... I don't think, even though a lot of this technology has empowered people to do things very quickly, I would be careful with that because I think it's just going to work against you because I think that there's a really good opportunity here to do, again, the opposite of like what everybody else is trying to do with some of this stuff. Yeah. You know, some of those people will, will prevail for sure, but like you can't take a hundred people and say, okay, I'll go do basically the same thing. Like only a fraction of those guys are going to, to like stand up. So like, why not just pick something different and like make it easy on yourself? And then you're going to have a good, satisfying win. Like the positive affirmation that comes out of that is going to be huge because you're doing something new. You've thought critically. You've looked at your competition. You've looked at what everybody is doing. You've learned by picking out the good ones. Like, hey, this guy's doing something awesome. I'm going to like, I'm going to find inspiration from this guy, this one over here. Cool. Great. So I think that that's, that's one way that I like to break out of this feeling because when you see somebody doing something and you know that they're doing it with minimal effort and they're getting like decent returns, it's like, I, yeah. you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, I know. It's, it, 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 it's, it feels the whole problem here. Well, you know, I think you, you did a great job of summarizing the way that I feel about this stuff because, you know, if you've been on the internet, forget about AI, you know, everybody's always, there's affiliate marketing and affiliate marketing and this marketing and that marketing and this, you know, buy my course and do this stuff. And I've made $7 billion and now I'm going to teach you how to do it. All you have to do is give me nine ninety five, and you could have my link. It's just these, these things where they, none of them feel natural. None of them feel good when you're looking at them. You might be thinking, okay, I'm going to do this get rich quick scheme. And then you'll be, they're not explaining that they have the reason why they're successful is because they have 150,000 followers on seven channels and you have your 500 friends who already know that who you've probably told that you're going to try and sell them something it's not just a you know some cookie cutter thing and ai has only made those imposters a little bit easier to spot because you could see the number of things. And like you said, with that article or any of the articles you see, you can pick out pretty quickly whether or not a person's really interested in this subject or they're just having it created by AI. And uh, I have a friend who's starting a, a faceless YouTube channel about gardening. And it's interesting because, you know, the topic is pretty, you know, it's like apartment gardening. So it's a unique, uh, it's kind of a niche uh, idea. And, you know, he's already got a couple of people who are interested in it. And the key thing is that he's interested in it. Right. So he takes, he takes the, his idea, he plops it into one of the, the LLMs comes up with a, a schedule of stories, ideas for stories. He puts together a bunch of videos and stuff and he's starting it off as you know faceless so he's not in him but he's learning about a subject that he's interested in he's learning about putting together these videos he's learning about how to do voiceovers and how to have these voiceovers tweaked and using the tools available to him and ultimately he's interested in the subject matter. So he's not going to burn out on something that he's not really interested in that he's only doing for the sake of doing something that he thinks is going to be some get rich quick scheme. He's actually trying to learn and using the tools to help him learn, but also, and this kind of comes back to the Rick Rubin thing, right? If you're doing something for yourself in the creative way, then, then it'll probably resonate. 
where as if, you know, if you're into knitting, you can use AI as a tool to come up with ideas for subject matter and then start doing a knitting online course or a knitting something. But it's it, if you don't have that passion and interest, then you're never going to get to the audience you're trying to get to in any field. But, you know, yeah. I think that uh, people are deluded into thinking that, you know, oh, wow, look at this outline that, you know, AI created. Let me have an AI person read it and let me have a, but that's just not going to resonate. It's not going to resonate. Like you said, Austin, the, uh, the the few people who do have some success get you like, oh man, you know, <laughs> like I, I could do that. <laughs> well, you're already, you, I mean, you made some fantastic points there. You're already seeing this sort of play out in some ways where certain, I think, um, I think it was, it was Instacart had AI generated food images somewhere within their, their, their app flow. And if any, if for those of you have done anything with, with prompting image LLMs, you know, that it's, if you need to get something out of it, that is correct consistently, it's not easy. And you really have to to craft really good prompts. So that aside, what was happening was the images that were getting put into like the um, Instacart feed around like suggested recipes or whatever, like they had hallucinations all over them and they ended up rolling the feature back because it just wasn't, it wasn't a good look. Right. And it was clear that this, this was probably wasn't good to put in front of your users. So I think it's a good example of, not jumping, like being smart about it. Like they took a chance. They didn't have their prompts correct or whatever. Maybe they're using the wrong kind of um, image model, but regardless, it, it wasn't a good move. And like when that sort of thing happens, it's going to hurt the, the generative AI movement, I think. Probably not by that much, but still like people like Business Insider is going to write about that. Someone's going to write about that and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be read by by some people for sure. Certainly when you're so. you're a brand like that, you have especially when you're a food brand, you know, you're you're associated with food and then you start <laughs> throwing up these AI pictures that don't look anything like it. I mean, you've we've played around with the the AI food generation stuff and I mean, some of them looked fantastic and then other ones it's just like a, a whole fish, you know, in the middle of a casserole and things like that if exactly. you're not if you're not really specific on what you're looking for. But that's that's the risk you're taking when you're you're doing stuff like that especially when you're like a big brand, you know, now if you're, you're building things and learning, it's all good. But if you're these, you know, these larger companies that have a lot to lose <laughs> in terms of, well, yes. And this is where you have to be careful as a big brand, because say big brand is just trying, and this is like the, probably one of the main problems I have with this whole movement is that like the, the race dynamic again that is being put on on everything is just so it's just such bullshit and I think it's like I I, I go I'll just go out and blame like the likes of like OpenAI for doing this because it's part of their whole like their whole go to market strategy is is to like promote this kind of behavior right like it's really good technology don't get me wrong like it's fundamental in a lot of ways. But what we have right now is only going to last for so long. It's only going to be interesting for so long. I would even go out and say right now that it's starting to become uninteresting because of some of these things that are happening. A, 
Everybody and their mother is trying to capitalize on it. We already talked about that for a good amount of time during this episode. B, like you're starting because of that, like, again, people are engaging in in racing across so many different parallels because of it, because, you know, of, of competition and being first to market and everything. Like now we're seeing problems like this arise. And these are just like, granted, they're small, like they're not hurting anybody, but they could, they could take something that could be really great. And because of the way that it's getting released without like a lot of testing and not a lot of validation, like you you could have problems with it. So it's, it's crazy, but I digress. No, no, you're, you, you made a really good point there in terms of the, the race and, you know, and I, I would argue that it has done damage and will continue to do damage because people, something like we were talking about with imposter syndrome when you're working for a company and you're not you're not necessarily independent in your own way you have to rely on that company to do things and you've gone to school and you know how to write and you know how to do these these tasks that you've been assigned not only do you have like this anxiety of hey this could possibly cost me my job at some point because you know what value am i adding beyond my ability to walk into an office and do some few things. And, you know, so now you think, okay, wow, AI, they keep writing these articles, how many jobs it's taking. Google laid off 12,000 and laid off another, is planning to lay off another 25,000. It's like, that's stressful. That's stressful. And then like the, then you, you go, maybe you start looking around and you start looking for a job and the process of getting an application in and getting a, a job, going on an interview, and now you're forced to level up your knowledge of AI because it might come up in an interview, you know, so. Well, that makes it even worse. Yeah. yeah I mean, like you're, you're making my point like that. That's even an, a whole nother level of race dynamics that's happening because now you know that if you work for a fame company, Every single one of them has had mass layoffs. So like that's in the back of your head all the time, right? So if you if you weren't being proactive about learning AI, now you have to be even more on it and really carving out a schedule that works and, and working on learning whatever it is pretty much every day until you come to a point where you've achieved your goals. And then you have to you know, maybe start to interview. So on top of it, you probably have a family, like you have responsibilities. It's just, it's a lot for, for like one person to really have to deal with. So again, that feeds into the whole insecurity of things and feeling like you're an imposter because like, it's not all going to be wins, like to, to learn anything and to learn anything well, you have to spend time at it and you have to fail and you have to experiment. And it's like an iterative process. So Yeah. And I, I think that the, at anxiety level, <clears throat> for a group of people, if you like, look at the millennials and Gen Z coming up who are already riddled with anxiety about most things, you know, it, this is, you know, this, I could see it being very challenging to have to deal with all of the change that's coming, the speculative change that's presumed, I would say, and then learn something new on top of that. So now do your job, worry about your job, try and find a new job, learn new skills. It's, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. So, but you can be, but, but you can do it. So I'd say all of those things being said, you might be asking yourself like, okay, fine. Like now what, what can I, what can I possibly do? 
So I would say it depends in what bucket of person you are. If you are somebody that wants to build something with AI, I would say first thing you should do is you should get a ChatGPT Plus account or sign up for Google Bard, Anthropic. Pick, pick like whomever or try them all, honestly. Just don't try one, try all of them. That's what you should definitely do. And you should get a feel for for really like prompting these things so many different ways. You know, people talk about prompt engineering. There's a million different pieces of content you can find about writing good prompt, but essentially you want to be very explicit and you want to tell the thing how to act. You want to, you want to give it context and you want to be like, this is what I want out of it. Act like this sort of thing, this sort of person and give me this and then work, work through it until you're like, wow, this thing really helped me. I think that would be just the way to just scratch the surface because uh, you're, you need to start there because whatever you're doing with generative AI is going to be because you want to get something out of it. Either it's text, either it's image, either, either it's, it's audio, right? Like they, the output is just a different modality. So once you feel good with that, I would make my own GPT via the OpenAI app store. And this is, this is kind of like the next level because it gives you more of a look into like the inner workings of the LLM, right? And it'll, it'll legitimately build you your own GPT that other people can query and use to get specific, specific knowledge from, right? So say that you are, you have, say that you're like a, a certain kind of lawyer, maybe that, that focuses on criminal justice in inner cities and you want to build an LLM around your knowledge, right? So you go into the app store, you'd start a new GPT. It's going to ask you, like, it's really good at asking qualifying questions. Like, hey, what do you want to make, right? And you'll say, hey, I'm, I'm, this, I'm a criminal lawyer. I work in Brooklyn. I'm 28 years old or, or whatever. And I want to build a GPT that surfaces some of my expertise, domain knowledge in inner city um, criminal law. So from there, I mean, the thing will, will make you your own logo for the GPT. It'll ask you all of this stuff, like I said, and it's really good at, at helping you refine it. So it'll, it'll put your brain into that kind of spot that it needs to be to ask these questions by default. So I think that's pretty cool. Um, from there, I guess it really depends on if you want to get more technical and actually start to build stuff, then you can take any of these courses from, from Google, Udemy. There's, there's tons of relatively cheap or free, um, you know, courses online that you can take that I would definitely suggest. And I'll put some of the links in, in the uh, description of the episode here. Uh, you just start your journey there and then you'll learn like the technical skills you could, from there, you could really, really do anything. You know, you could get into the strategy aspect of it. You could provide strategy sessions um, and services to small businesses. You could build AI-powered apps, which are really fun. You know, you can take all of this power of these LLMs and you can integrate them into your own user experience, your own app, and really the sky's the limit. I think that that's personally really cool. That's what I do. And I, I think like the more I think about it, the more I just come up with awesome ideas where you can augment a specific business with AI, generative AI functionality. It really becomes a cool user experience. So, uh, you know, if you spend like if you spend six months doing that, starting from zero 
and saying, I'm going to build all of this stuff. I mean, you're definitely going to come up. You're, you're definitely going to learn. There's, there's no way you're not going to learn valuable things from that. Yeah. And I, I think that would be your work becomes your portfolio and the experience that you have when you do go on an interview and somebody asks you about AP, you know, do you know anything about AI? And you could say, yeah, actually I've built, you know, six GPTs from the GPT store that solve the, this, this, and this, and this problem. A friend um, who I met in Mexico and she's an author and went in and I would not think of her as a technical person in any way, shape or form, but she went and created her own GPT to come up with prompts for for books. So if, if you take what we've been talking about and you apply it to something that you're interested in and then go ahead and build something around it, or if you say have a, a particularly tedious job that you do, where you're, you're dealing with large spreadsheets or you're dealing with stuff that is just tedious and boring, then you can have uh, build a GPT to fix solve the problem for you. I have one where it's like I wanted to do something in Excel. I have a list, a, a giant list of people and a, another giant list of people. I wanted to look it up and add a field and do that stuff. And I'm playing around with the prompt. I can't quite get it right, but it's like it's the work I'm putting in is going to solve this problem yeah. forever <laughs> for me. For sure. And on to the next problem. So, I mean, that's a fantastic example that you shared. So good stuff. But um, don't fret. This is why uh, stackability is uh, why we named it this. It's because you're skill stacking. You don't have to learn it all in one in one fail swoop. You're going to uh, add little bits here and there, and become conversational around it. Because if you are in a position where somebody's going to ask you something, if you've gone ahead and built a GPT then you're already ahead of them. <laughs> so it doesn't, it doesn't even matter. They're going to say, what What, do you, what did you do? You say, oh, I built a GPT this weekend that does this. And they're going to be confused. And if they're the one doing the interviewing, they'll probably look at you like you're some kind of a genius because they're not even going to understand how easy it really is to do. Yeah. The, the, whole, the whole point is to make yourself smart so you can help to make other people feel smart. If you can do that, like I think that you can do anything, especially now, you know, in the opportunity. And I also do think that this is a, a short window here. I think that early adoption, and I still do think that if you get into it now, I would consider it early. If you look at like the whole population of even the United States, make it make it easy. You know, like the people that are really talking, thinking about this, there, there's not that many. So definitely seize the opportunity and build stuff, learn stuff, ask questions. I'll share a pretty interesting story before we wrap. When I first started in on this, the, 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 the um, format was actually medium and I was doing a bunch of medium writing on AI and I was posting it to my LinkedIn. Uh, you know, I'm not, I don't have like super honed in internet marketing skills so I was legitimately just writing articles on Medium about interesting AI topics. This was about like a year or so ago. And I was just like overwhelmed on like the people that were reaching out to me asking, hey, this, that, and the other thing. But one of the coolest things that came out of it is I was able to secure an advisory board with one of the reputable colleges here in New York City for one of their AI programs. And I just thought that was amazing that I was even able to do that off of really minimal um, 
promotion and, and writing and, and such. So maybe I got lucky, who knows, but you know, it was very validating. And because of that, that, that led one thing to another, right? And that's part of the, one of the reasons why we have this podcast today is because of experiences like that. Yeah. And I think that's a, that's a great point because the opportunities that exist, you have no idea about. We have no concept of who's listening, who's watching, um, who wants this kind of information. And when you put it out there, you know, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> you know, that's the the old the old adage. But it's true. It, you don't know who's watching, who's reading, especially now. Um, if you have some skills or want to learn some skills, this is this is a great great opportunity to be at the leading edge of something that's going to be transformative, and probably. In the next couple of years, it's going to be so integrated that you're not even going to have an opportunity to play around like this. You're not even going to have an opportunity to build your own GPT because every GPT that would ever be built has already been done and it'll be fully integrated into your application and you won't have the same kind of hands-on experience that you've, uh, you, know, you can get right now. Yeah, very well said. That will, I mean, that's happening right now. Google is for sure working on integrating this into as many offerings as possible. And then they're, they're not even being, you know, closed about that. Like it's, it's very much in the open. Um, so Bing, I mean, Bing is a perfect example of that The whole thing that happened with really the inception of this whole movement here was because Microsoft partnered with OpenAI and started integrating all of their um, OpenAI LLM functionality into Bing and that was it. Yeah, no, I mean that was the you know when when they when Edge Microsoft Edge started doing the video summaries um I started right away like that was the first time I had downloaded in a Microsoft internet product in 20 years, 15 years. I hadn't used Internet Explorer or any kind of I didn't even know what Edge was. I thought it was some, you know, coding platform and it was the browser and it had that. And then today I just saw a headline that says that Edge is beating out Chrome in terms of user, users and downloads and everything. So Microsoft really uh really just roared back into the into the tech game uh with this with this yeah. With this AI, um, open AI partnership and integrating these tools, um, which well, yeah, we could do uh, we could do a whole episode on some of the concerns we have with uh, the search engines and using this you know AI to summarize everything for you, so you don't get to see the underlying content itself. But uh, for another day, yeah, indeed, for another day. So so there we have it, folks. At the end of the day, we're all imposters, one way or another. The key is at what point you take your your imposter syndrome to the next level and actually do something to to do to make a business to harvest knowledge whatever it is that you're after. So don't feel bad about it. Keep jamming. There's tremendous opportunities here, and nothing is going to change my my view on that. So create a GPT. You're no longer an imposter. Right. It's all you got to do is. <laughs> So that wraps up episode 11. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Hope you guys found it insightful and, and inspirational. 
Feel free to like us, subscribe to the podcast. Sh- share it with your friends. <laughs> yeah. All, you know, your, your family. <laughs> My mom loves the podcast. Yeah, we got a real market in the, in the boomer generation. <laughs> exactly. Boomer, boomers are the future. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. <laughs>